Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we are officially halfway through the season and we keep on a going on. As always, we'll be taking a deep dive into this week's waiver wire options at the skill positions and figure out which players you should be targeting and which ones are nothing but fool's gold for your college fantasy teams. All of this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous mark! Ball next to the outside, drop down for Franklin! Oh, majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus to Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. sharp during the season. If you want to support the great work we are doing here, head on over to campusacanton.com and subscribe there with one of our fantabulous tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, C2C, and betting needs, including rankings, articles, tools, stats, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. Good Lord, y'all. Another crazy week of college Football has come and gone. We knew this weekend was going to be a good one. We had plenty of ranked matchups coming in. Probably the crown jewel of them all. Oregon versus Washington pretty much lived up to every expectation we had about that game. Incredible back and forth there. Again, we can get into that in a second. Um, but again, there's just plenty of other games I was able to watch this weekend. Obviously, I watched my dogs at noon. Uh, shall I say struggle against Vandy? It, it, was, it was a very weird, fluky game. Uh, throughout the whole thing. But I guess we can say they struggle um, for chunks of that game for sure. Um, and again, I could have my eye on a couple other ones. I was watching Florida State versus Syracuse. That <laughs> I, I texted Xavier like right beforehand. I'm like, I've been nailing some of these upsets recently and because I called Florida over Tennessee a couple weeks ago. I called Oklahoma over Texas last week. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go wild with this one. I'm going to go Syracuse uh, pulls a surprise on Florida State. And uh, guys, let me tell you, I really probably have no, shouldn't even mention that on this podcast. It was that far off. They were got Syracuse got absolutely drubbed yesterday. So yeah, egg on my face for that one. That was from, that's from me for going wild. Uh, obviously the uh, the afternoon slate I think ended up being my favorite, and I get I'll get to in a second why um, why that was. Part, partially it was because I had three good games on at the same time. Again, I had Oregon Washington on the main screen, but also had Texas A M Tennessee going on on one screen, and then South Carolina versus Florida was going on another screen. And then all those games were finishing right around the same time, and all three of those games had one final drive that the losing team was trying to come back and put the final nail in the coffin for. Again, obviously, Oregon trying to best Washington, Texas A&M trying to best Tennessee. Florida actually succeeded and got uh, past that uh, abysmal, and I mean abysmal, abysmal, um, secondary that the Gamecocks have there. They got the touchdown right there at the end by Ricky Pierce also. 
I guess congratulations, Gators. But again, that that slate was incredible. And then unfortunately, uh, as the night went on, I started to feel sick. So I kind of missed out on a good chunk of the night slate and certainly all of the midnight slate. I got I had to catch up on that this morning as I was doing research for my show and everything. But it's not like being there actually watching the real thing. But, you know, got to take care of your body. Anyway, here we are another week. You guys know what is up for this show. We're going to be talking about some of the guys available on the waiver wire. And in fact, we're going to be a man down already because I had somebody on this list that I literally just got the notification for saying that he will be uh, undergoing some testing for this week, which means he is injured and therefore I don't think you should be picking him up. So we'll get to that guy in a second. But as always, I'm going to list five guys that are on the waiver wire this week that a lot of people will be buzzing about this week. But... We are going to have to ask you guys to not pick them up this week because they are traps. And I think we should go ahead and get right to that. Let me go ahead and throw up the page here. There we are. We got five guys I considered traps for this week. Again, as for those of you who may not have been watching this before who are just joining us at this point in the season and everything, these are five guys that, like I said, are available on the waiver wire who had pretty big weeks this past week you're probably sitting there thinking like oh maybe i should go after this guy because he had a big week maybe that'll continue i'm here to make the argument that they're probably not going to do that on a week by week basis here we'll start with the top here with the quarterback mr mr ashton daniels quarterback out of stanford this past week through 45 times for 396 yards and four touchdowns against colorado this is a friday night game super late but man oh man what a comeback Stanford had against Colorado. Again, it really just kind of goes home to nail how porous this Colorado defense was. Pretty much exactly what a lot of us were expecting going into the season. It really kind of took a couple games there for them to get really worn down, and pretty much anybody can score on this Buffs defense right now. And it's part of the reason why I am saying don't go after Ashton D. Daniels, the quarterback there at Sanford. And I'll also go ahead and throw the the wide receiver here, Elric Iomenor, who had an absolutely phenomenal game here, especially in the second half. This dude had 18 targets for 13 receptions and three touchdowns, almost 300 yards, all in the second half. This dude like had nothing going into, going into the half. He comes back out. He's put on Travis Hunter, and... They really took advantage of the fact that Travis Hunter was playing so many snaps for Colorado because he was playing like every snap, offense and defense. He was so tired by the end of the night that Io Maynor was able to take advantage of that. Now, I really don't think Stanford's going to be able to do this. I mean, look at what Stanford's done over the last couple of weeks. This just isn't an offense ready to go yet. They had some good performances to start the season, but then they went and they lost to guys like Sacramento State. They uh, only they couldn't put up a touchdown against Oregon. You saw what Washington was able to do to Oregon last week. I mean, for the most part, this is absolutely a team that, if you want pieces of this, like Ashton Daniels and Alec Iomainor in a dynasty league, I don't blame you whatsoever. But in terms of redraft right now, too risky to go after a team that's still trying to figure out what this offense is looking like moving forward. Another guy that I'm going to ward you guys off for this week is Mr. Donovan Lester, the running back out of UNLV. If you've been paying attention to UNLV pretty much this entire year, you know for a fact that that is a revolving door at running back, not even because of injury, just because it feels like they just have a new favorite of the of the week every single week. And this past week, it was absolutely Donovan Lester. Again, 10 carries, 99 yards, three touchdowns. Like, that, that that's pretty much my 
golden boy poster of guys who had really good weeks, but I wouldn't touch a guy who to get three touchdowns on 10 touches again. I don't think that that is sustainable whatsoever. And again, like I said, given the revolving door at UNLV at running back, not going to touch it whatsoever. Another guy here, another running back, Mr. John Lee Eldridge, the running back out of Air Force. This is a dude that I really wanted to be a big thing going into the season, but, you know, things just didn't quite work out there. They found Emmanuel Mitchell, who's performing super well for them. But Eldridge had himself a really nice game here. Three attempts for 65 yards and a touchdown on the ground, and he got an additional reception for 17 yards and a touchdown again. Anybody who's getting two touchdowns on four touches, it's fool's goal. Don't worry about it. And the last one here is Mr. Kelly A. I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name out of respect for the good Sir Kelly A. He's a wide receiver out of UTEP here. And he has some decent volume, but like his catch percentage is awful. I believe I looked it up on um, uh, PFF, and I think he's at sub, or he's like sub 50%, like close to 40% catch rate so far this year. Granted, he's a deep threat guy. But at the same time, like he's just not catching the targets that are coming his way. And if you look at his last five games, 53 yards, 0 yards, 92 yards, 37 yards, 223 yards. Dude is just absolute Jekyll and Hyde constantly throughout the, throughout the year. The two touchdowns he got this past week are the first two touchdowns he's gotten in five games. It's just not worth it trying to predict when this guy is going to go off. So... He might have some big games down the line. If you're in a best ball league where you can pick up guys, absolutely, Kelly A should be somebody you grab. But for regular redraft, I am not touching him. Those are my waiver wire trap guys for the week. There's probably some more I could probably mention here, but for the most part, those will be the main five that I'm going to highlight here because I think they would be the ones that most people might get a little fooled by. Let's go talk about the guys we actually should be picking up off the waiver wire this week. Let's go and start with our quarterbacks after I take a sip of water. All right, there we go. Let's start with Mr. Garrett Green, the quarterback out of Virginia, or excuse me, West Virginia, rostered on 12% of rosters this past week, threw for almost 400 yards and two touchdowns to the air, and also gained 47 yards and two touchdowns on the ground with 12 attempts here. Green got injured a couple of weeks ago, had to miss a game there for the Mountaineers. But ever since he has come back, the coaching staff seems way, way more comfortable with kind of letting him loose a little bit in these games. Against TCU, only threw 21 times. Again, his first start back, probably not asking him to throw a ton. But on the ground, again, 12 attempts for 80 yards and two touchdowns of the game against TCU. But then this past week against Houston, in an absolute shootout. 38 attempts for almost, like I said, almost 400 yards and two touchdowns to the air and and then almost 50 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I think that is something we can start to expect a little bit more out of West Virginia moving forward. This offense is better than I was kind of giving it credit for going into the season. And I really like how this schedule breaks down for West Virginia over the next couple of weeks here. I can absolutely see a few more shootouts like the one they had against Houston. Do I think they'll win all these games? Probably not. But let's look at this. Oklahoma State is their next opponent. They're 86 against the pass is 72nd versus the run. So below average in both of those categories, that should open some things up for Green. Then you got UCF, who is 29th versus the pass. But I've mentioned this before that I think UCF's passing defense is a little bit fraudulent just because of how bad they are versus the run. Again, they're 130th. That's bottom four in the country versus the run. 
So you might be thinking like, oh, that's just going to be the C.J. Donaldson show. Well, again, we've seen over the last two weeks that they're more than willing to let Garrett Green run. They have a ton of design quarterback runs for him throughout the games. Once they get down near the goal line, Green is free to run down there as well. I think that against UCF, Green's probably going to hit probably well above 50 rushing yards and probably get a touchdown in that game as well, just on the ground. And then we'll see what he does in the passing game. And then the week after that, they got BYU, who's 83rd versus the pass and 90th versus the run. So just overall the worst defense that they'll be facing out of this three-game stretch. Sets up really nicely for Green over the next couple of weeks. I think he's absolutely worth a pickup for your leagues if you have some of your top quarterbacks have some tough, tough matchups coming up and stuff like that. Let's move on to the next quarterback here. Let's go talk about somebody that I personally left for dead earlier in this season because I thought he was donezo. Uh, let's talk about Cooper Lega, the quarterback at a Utah State, rostered on 7% of rosters this year. It really seems like that ever since he was given the second chance to be the starting quarterback for Utah State, an absolute fire has been lit under Cooper Lega. Let's look at what he's done over the last couple of weeks since he came back to being the starter for Utah State. For those who don't know, Lega started the season for the Aggies, did not perform super well. Eventually, they just had to bench him for, I forget he's... I forget if he's a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, but Millstead came in, or excuse me, Hillstead came in and looked great. And I legitimately thought that was it. Cooper Lega is done. He had last year. He had this year. Couldn't really do it. Hillstead looked great. Lega's career at Utah State is over. Well, Hillstead goes down with an injury in a UConn game where he was just absolutely stinking up all over the place, really playing like a true freshman. So they insert Lega in the second half, again, with Hillstead getting injured, and he lights it up. 13 attempts, 204 yards, and three touchdowns just in the second half. From then on, Lega has just been on fire. Again, against Colorado State, 387 yards and four touchdowns. Against Fresno State last week, a team that I thought Utah State might struggle a little bit against. 40 attempts, 363 yards, and three touchdowns. Oh, and add 43 yards on the ground for Lega because he can use those legs. So, again, he's just been absolutely on fire the last couple of weeks. It's something you'd absolutely love to see. Um, in addition, I think what's helped him a ton is the fact that, you know, outside of Terrell Vaughn, Jalen Royals has absolutely stepped up for him, giving him two legitimate receiving options to play around with. Again, to start the season, it was really just Vaughn, and I think that really hurt Lagos's um ability to kind of move the ball around there. So I think he's very much enjoying that. And then he's got a couple of really nice matchups over the next couple of weeks. Don't love the matchup against San Jose State. They're 33rd against the pass. I still think that with again, when you got two talented receivers in Royals and Vaughn, they're still gonna find the end zone one or two times during this game. San Jose has definitely shown that they can have points put up against them if the right offense comes along. But for the most part, I wouldn't love starting Lega in that game if you had to, but the next two weeks, San Diego State, who is 110th in the country versus the pass, and then Nevada, who's 127th in the country versus the pass. That's bottom 10 in the country easily right there. Those are two really nice matchups. Again, that falls right there. Um... Right there before the playoffs, if you're kind of if you have a couple of tough matchups for your quarterbacks and you really need to throw in a guy there that should be able to get you some pointage here, I think that's a perfect starting place for Lega. Anywhere from 23 to 30 fantasy points is perfectly reasonable in both of those matchups, I think. So that's what you're looking for. Lega is a guy to absolutely consider. 
Let's move on to the next one here. Let's go talk about Mr. Josh Hoover, the quarterback out of TCU, rostered on 2% of rosters through 58 times this past week for 439 yards and four touchdowns, rushed for one one time for 26 yards. You might be saying to me, Jared, he threw 58 times and almost four almost 450 yards and four touchdowns. He must have been playing from behind. Nope. Nope. TCU is absolutely kicking ass this game. Like they, there was absolutely no reason for TCU to be throwing the ball this much in this game, but they did anyway. And Hoover looked really good. Dare I say he looked better than Chandler Ro- or um, not Chandler Rogers, Chandler Morris has for a good chunk of this game. This honestly um, corroborated by some of the offensive players who are on the record saying this past weekend that they expected the downfield passing to be a lot better moving forward with Hoover under center. Again, I'm a little hesitant recommending this because, again, I don't know what the plan is regarding like if Morris gets healthy, does he come back and overtake this job? Quite frankly, if Hoover's playing like this, I, I really doubt that there's going to be any chance that they're able to I doubt there's any chance they're going to be able to insert Morris back in there. As um, Nate Marquis said in our Slack this past week, it's, it's quite possible that TCU has started the wrong quarterback for two years in a row trying to be loyal to uh, Chandler Morris there. And again, if Hoover is the guy, we know for a fact that Sunny Dykes quarterbacks are absolutely fantasy relevant pieces moving forward. And then look at the schedule over the next couple of weeks. This upcoming week, the most likely week that we're still going to get Hoover. Again, we'll see what happens with Morris over the next couple of weeks. Kansas State, 111th versus the pass. They have been absolutely sliced and diced the last couple of weeks there. I think Hoover should be in. If, if Hoover's going to get this kind of volume again, even if he doesn't get that kind of volume, if he gets 40 passing attempts again this weekend, he absolutely should be able to carve up that Wildcat defense right there with all the different weapons they have at receiver. He should at least be in for one really good week this week. So he's a perfect grab and start QB this week if you are really struggling at quarterback. And then you got Texas Tech, 62nd against the pass, so pretty average there. And then Texas, 39th versus the pass. I probably wouldn't start him against Texas. Just looking the last couple of years of TCU versus Texas, the quarterbacks did not perform particularly well in those games, so I just probably wouldn't start him overall. And again, Texas is the 39th defense versus the pass, so I think that you are definitely looking at a tougher matchup there. But for the next two weeks, I think Hoover's in for a really, really nice opportunity to be a good part of your fantasy roster all right we got one more quarterback this week i'll be real quarterbacks were a little hard to find this week um but i think because so we're only gonna give you guys four this week but i think this last one you guys will like another guy that i kind of left for dead a little too early on in the season mr diego pavia the quarterback out of new mexico state rostered on 26 percent of rosters like i said it left him for dead early on the season just wasn't performing like i thought he would and Man, he's just been on a terror ever since, really. Again, like not that he's been like super amazing, but in a four-point passing touchdown league, we're looking at finishes of 25 fantasy points, 24 fantasy points, 28 fantasy points, 36 fantasy points. He's been super, super consistent, I believe has recently broken into the top 25 quarterbacks on the season so far. With that consistency, he has hit two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, exactly. Every single game. And in the last two games, he's actually added a touchdown on the ground, leading to his better performances there. But look at these rushing numbers. Again, his his passing attempt numbers aren't always the greatest. Again, against Hawaii, against New Mexico, 14 and 15 passing attempts. So just not pretty there. But recently, 
30 passing attempts versus uh, Florida International, 36 passing attempts against Sam Houston last week. So you're getting better volume in the passing game. He said 250 plus in both of those games. And he is getting unleashed on the ground recently. You can count on at least 10 runs a game from Pavia. And he does a ton with them against New Mexico. Uh, 96 yards against Hawaii, 97 yards against Florida International, 46 yards and a touchdown against Sam Houston, 115 yards and a touchdown. He is the ultimate, I mean, ultimate, just screw it quarterback. He is a guy that loves to play hero ball and he's got some fantastic matchups over the next couple of weeks. He's got UTEP this upcoming week, the 25th against the pass. But they've been allowing 204 passing yards their past three games. If Pavia continues what he's been doing, that should be a good matchup right there. And they're 115th versus the rush. So you should expect another really big day out of Pavia on the ground there. Same exact thing with LA Tech. They're 19th versus the pass, even though they're allowing 215 yards per game over their last three. But they are also 118th versus the rush. So you're talking about a bottom 15 defense versus the rush right there. Pavia should be absolutely able to take care of that as well. Then their next matchup, Middle Tennessee State, is the opposite. 34th versus the rush. That sucks. You're not, probably not going to get that uh, safe floor there on the rushing department from Pavia, but they're 112th versus the pass. Pavia loves to chuck it deep to his receivers, so I think that he should be in for a fine day there as well. Three nice matchups. Pavia should be able to continue what he's been doing in the last couple of weeks and be a super, super safe option for your fantasy rosters over the next couple of weeks a couple of reminders just want to throw some guys out here real quick um that are still under 30 percent either don't have great matchups or i've mentioned them before um chandler rogers quarterback out in north texas 23 percent of rosters he is going up against tulane this week so i don't love that matchup but he should have some great ones after that point kyron jones quarterback out of virginia tech roster on seven percent of rosters and then Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, roster on 25% of rosters. All right, here we go. If you are still listening, I'll go ahead and give you my rankings on how I would be prioritizing these guys in a redraft league on the waiver wire. Number one would be Garrett Green. Number two would be Josh Hoover. After that, it would be Fowler, Nicolosi. After that, it would be Pavia. Then you got Lega. Then you got Drones. This is specifically for this week. Like, I, like which ones would I prioritize for a this week matchup? So again, Green, Hoover, Fowler, Nicolosi, Pavia, Lega, then Drones. All right. Let me give me a sip of water. All right. Perfect. And the graphics are already up on the screen here. I haven't been loving the running back options over the last couple of weeks, but we got a bunch of them here for you guys. And the first one here is a familiar name. Um, I've talked about him on the show before, but it seems like one, you guys didn't listen to me. And then two, like it's been a couple of weeks. I understand there's a bit of a dip there for a moment, but like gotta put this guy back out there because it like the last two weeks have been too insane. And he's too under roster right now. I have to bring him up again. That is Mr. Makai Hughes, the running back out of Tulane. This past week, 26 rushing attempts for 130 yards and a touchdown. Over the last couple of weeks, since I recommended him, he had himself a real nice stinker against uh, Nichols uh, State. And a lot of people, really, I think, really got like spooked there being like, oh, okay, this was just a flash-of-the-pan deal those, those couple of weeks there against like Ole Miss and such. 
he's going to be it's going to go back to full committee and we saw that against nickel but then against uab last week 200 or excuse me 22 attempts for 123 yards and two touchdowns and then this week 26 attempts for 130 yards and a touchdown he's that dude for tulane especially with michael pratt not being able to run as much due to his injury they have to rely on hughes to keep the rushing game going there and he's got some incredible matchups over the next two weeks. North Texas, dead freaking last in the country against the Rush. He should absolutely be in for an incredible game against the Mean Green there. Then they got Rice right afterwards, 77th against the Rush, so an average team. We've seen them go average against, or him go against average defenses in UAB and Memphis. And look what he did over 100 yards and a touchdown in both of those games. He should be in for a wonderful, wonderful stretch over the next two games. Then he has East Carolina there. Um, again, it's, it kind of remains to be seen how good East Carolina's rushing defense is. But again, we'll have a better idea of that by the time that matchup comes in the next three or four weeks. So regardless, Makai Hughes is probably the most important running back that you can pick off the waiver wire this week just because of his matchup and the volume that he's getting on an offense that is pretty daggum good. So... Let's go ahead and roll with that. Let's go and grab our new or our second running back option for this week. And that is Mr. Dylan Johnson, the running back out of Washington. Rostered on 32% of rosters. Again, I cheated a little bit because, again, I didn't love a ton of options out there for running back this week. But, again, it's right outside 30%. And, again, he's a super important guy to mention here. We have watched Johnson's workload increase week by week every single game this season. Again, Started off with seven carries, then eight carries, then ten carries, then sixteen carries, then a hundred, or then a hundred, then two hundred carries. Oh my goodness, twenty carries against Oregon this past week. Clearly, clearly, Washington wants to run the ball they, again. They know they have an incredible quarterback in Michael Penix. They know they have incredible receivers in McMillan, Polk, and Adunze. Like clearly, and Giles Jackson apparently this past weekend, which great. A uh, great guy to go grab on Dynasty rosters if you have not already. Um, but even so, Dylan Johnson, they clearly wanted to find a guy that they can rely on in the running game. And he's been improving that week by week the last couple of weeks. Again, touchdowns in every single one of his last three games. Like I said, his workload has been increasing. And the other part of this is at the end of the Washington game, there was a lot of talk that Penix was playing hurt to finish that Oregon game. If that is the case, Washington is probably going to throttle back Penix just somewhat over these next three games, and you're probably going to see a lot more of Dylan Johnson moving forward. If they do truly want to rest Penix, get him ready for a potential playoff run down the line, especially when they got USC in three weeks. Speaking of USC in three weeks, let's talk about the schedule here. Again, over the next three weeks, Washington has three very manageable games. Arizona State... Stanford and USC. Yes, Arizona State and Stanford are technically above average versus the rush, but I kind of doubt both of those, mostly because I think teams could really, if they want to, just do whatever they want versus those defenses. A lot of them have just chosen to pass a ton on the Sun Devils and the Cardinal there. And then, of course, the most beautiful defense that any of your fan any of your fantasy players can go up against, and that is the Trojan defense of USC. Their 80th versus the rush, quite frankly, it's quite clear that any running back that goes up against them can pick the number they want to hit that week, and they will do it against that defense. They are absolutely atrocious at tackling running backs. 
Johnson set up really, really nice over the next couple of weeks. The circumstances potentially with Michael Penix might set up for him to have an even bigger stretch over the next couple of weeks. He is absolutely, him and Makai Hughes are in a tier of their own, in my opinion, in terms of the running backs that we're talking about this week. But let's move down to tier and let's go talk about some guys that are just a little bit more iffy in terms of what we can expect out of them over the next couple of weeks. But I do like, and that is Miss first and foremost, Mr. Kalen Black, the running back out of James Madison, rostered on 11% of leagues. This past week, only 11 rushing attempts for 45 yards and a touchdown, but he also got three receptions for 38 yards and two touchdowns. Had himself a really, really nice week. And you might be looking at that stat line being like, Jared, that's like red flags. That is like, um, sir, that is all, like that has trap written all over it. Well, if you look at his volume the, the weeks before, he has 17 carries versus Utah State, as well as five receptions, so 22 touches in that game. And then he had 20 touches against South Alabama the, uh, the week after. And then it's only this past week where he got knocked back down to 14 there. And I'm kind of surprised by that, considering that James Madison got out to such a huge lead there. I didn't, I'm surprised they didn't run the ball more with Black. Maybe they're saving him for later. But even still, like... I like Black's role moving forward. He's clearly the most talented running back the team has to offer right now. James Madison, as quite frankly, y'all, is a tier above pretty much every other Sunbelt team out there right now. They are absolutely rolling through that conference right now. And they have a beautiful, beautiful schedule lined up over the next couple of weeks here. First, they got Marshall this upcoming weekend, who is abysmal against the rush they're 125th so bottom 10 rushing defense in the country right there that's a beautiful matchup for this week go grab Kalen Black and start him in your leagues if you need him to this week other than that afterwards they got Old Dominion who's 49th versus the rush but if you go and look at some of the conference running backs that have gone up against um Old Dominion in their in their game so far Rasheen Ali just this past week 28 carries for 79 yards and two touchdowns. And then Frank Gore, 29 carries for 66 yards and uh, no touchdowns there. I think that you're still going to see Black get plenty of carries. He should probably still be fine against that defense for the most part. And then the week after that, you got Georgia State, who's 23rd versus the rush. But Georgia, I, I chalked that up way more to Georgia State being really good on offense and just, quite frankly, game scripting out a ton of the running backs that they have faced. Even if they do that to James Madison, Kalen Black is a legit pass-catching running back there. He will not get game scripted out of this game. He will see the five to six targets that he's seen over the last couple of weeks there. I think he'll be absolutely fine in all three of these games. Love the stretch here for Kalen Black and the Dukes. I think he's absolutely worth picking up there. I'm going to skip through the next uh, running back here. It's Mario Anderson, for those of you who are curious, but I just got word that he's going to be going under some tests. So I am going to hold off on recommending him over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I'll throw the name out there. And the last running back I'll throw out here is Caden Fagan, the running back out of Illinois. And again, another guy who's gotten injured this week. Again, big asterisks on both him and Mario Williams. Everything to do with the fact that, again, they got injured. They're getting looked at right now. We do not know what we can expect from those results moving forward. But again, if Fagan's fine, if he comes back, he is absolutely worth looking at picking up. We finally got to see what he looks like in the RB1 role after waiting for him to kind of surpass Reggie Love. Obviously, Josh McCray's out for the rest of the year. We finally got to see what Fagan could look like moving forward. And we like what we see, but obviously, 
as I'm recording this, we have no idea how severe his um, injury is going to be. And then even if even if he comes back fine, I don't love this upcoming schedule. He's got Wisconsin this weekend. After that, he's got Minnesota. And he's got Indiana in three weeks. So hopefully he's healthy by then because that could be an excellent start against Indiana, who's 106 versus, versus the rush right there. But for the most part, I am going to say that he's worth pickup. You would definitely need to sash him over the next couple of weeks just to figure out what is going on with him. But we know for a fact that when when Brett Bielema finds one running back that he likes to just run over and over again, absolutely somebody that we want in fantasy there. So Fagan, grab him, stash him, wouldn't start him at least until that Indiana game. And then you can kind of see where it goes from there. See how he's performing against defenses like Wisconsin and Minnesota there. A couple of honorable mentions I want to throw out here. Again, these are guys I mentioned last week, but they're still under 30%. Absolutely still worth picking up. Quentin Cooley, the running back out of Liberty, got well above 20 touches this past week. He is clearly the RB1 now for the Flames, and that is absolutely something that you want to have in a Jamie Chadwell offense. And speaking of Jamie Chadwell, his former team there at Coastal Carolina, Braden Bennett, had himself a really, really nice weekend this past weekend against North Texas. I think that you are looking at and excellent pickup there for another week there at least. And then in terms of how I would kind of rate these guys moving forward for this week, I would say Quentin Cooley is probably the number one running back I would go after. And then Makai Hughes and Dylan Johnson. Those three are like tier of their own volume guys. They'll be fine most weeks for you. And then after that, it becomes a bit more guys like Braden Bennett, Kalen Black, Caden Fagan, where you kind of pick and choose your starts for the most part. All right, that finishes up the running backs. Let me take a sip of water and let's go ahead and get to the wide receivers. All right, we are making great time today, y'all. Anyway, let's go talk about some of these wide receivers. And I'll admit this group of wide receivers compared to the last couple of weeks, a little bit more dicey in terms of like what we had to find. But I think most of these guys, you guys will find some kind of role for them to fill on your fantasy roster. So we'll start with Mr. Rock Taylor, the wide receiver out of Memphis, rostered on 10% of rosters this past week, 12 targets, seven receptions, 108 yards, and zero touchdowns. But he has been on absolute tear the last couple of weeks. Again, this Memphis offense, quite frankly, was just destined to have a wide receiver or two step up here. And it looks like Rock Taylor and his partner in crime, Blake Cumsey, both are looking really good. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Becomsey briefly here in a second. But Rock Taylor really is the star here. Again, over the last three games, he has seen nine and a half targets per game, 10 plus targets in three out of the um, in three out of the last four games. He's hit 100 yards in all three of his last games. It's just he is a little inconsistent with getting those touchdowns. But again, touchdowns are a little luck-based, so you can't knock him too much for that. You'll love to see it. Again, Seth Hennigan's a legit quarterback. He's passing it 35 times per game. When you are seeing at least at least 25% of those targets go into one guy, that is absolutely somebody that you want on your fantasy rosters moving forward. And again, this schedule, this, this Memphis schedule over the next couple of weeks is beautiful. Like, absolutely beautiful here. You got UAB this upcoming weekend, who's 106 versus the pass. So you already got a great matchup this weekend. Rock Taylor absolutely should um, do well there. After that, you got North Texas, who's 30th versus the pass, but I've already mentioned this. 
I really think that has way more to do with that their rushing defense is so poor that teams don't need to throw on North Texas. But if Memphis needed to, like say Blake Watson, he got injured this past weekend, maybe he's still not good to go by the time they play North Texas. I think they'll have no problem chucking the ball all around North Texas's um, defense. I, I don't think North Texas has like some kind of elite secondary that they're hiding back there or anything like that. I think that Rock Taylor should be good to go there. And then the week after that, they got South Florida, 124th versus the pass. You're talking about a bottom 10 passing defense right there. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stretch of games here for Rock Taylor and his partner in crime, Blake Cumsey. Blake Cumsey, by the way, who has seen 10, who's been averaging 10 targets over the last three games, as well as two touchdowns the last three games, and hit, hit 100 yards this past weekend against Tulane, which is a legit defense. I think both of those guys are absolutely somebody people you should be looking at. Um, but I, again, I wanted to focus on Taylor a bit there, but Clumsy's also a good pickup for you guys right there. Uh, shout out to Luke Probosco, by the way, for being one of the first guys to really be in on um, Blake Clumsy earlier on this season, or early in the preseason, excuse me. Let's talk about another wide receiver here. Let's go to Elijah Surratt, the wide receiver out of James Madison, rostered on 2% of leagues and he is somebody that quite frankly is kind of emerging as the top option for his team i i'm kicking myself again i knew i was messing up the graphics ignore the stats on the page let me tell you that what he was able to do last week against georgia southern he had eight targets five catches for 105 yards and one touchdown much much better than the stats i have up there on the page i'm not sure if I accidentally, yeah, anyway, I'll just go fire the person who does the graphics. Anyway, um, Surratt, as I kind of mentioned, he is second on the team in targets for James Madison behind only Reggie Brown. But he's actually outproduced Brown in targets and receptions and production over the last couple of games here. He clearly is kind of becoming McLeod's kind of go-to guy in this offense for the most part. Now, that doesn't mean touchdowns. Again, in this offense so far this year, we've seen the touchdowns spread out a ton. But clearly, Surratt is quickly becoming a guy that he can expect to find the end zone at least once per game here. He has three touchdowns in the last four games. He's already kind of outproduced. Um, he's, he's already outproduced a ton more yards than what you would expect the touchdowns to go with that. So you're probably going to see some touchdowns balance out Surratt moving forward even still. And just like some of the other guys here we have, they are, they or Surratt has an absolutely incredible schedule moving forward here. You got Marshall this upcoming weekend, who is 10th versus the pass. But again, very much like North, or North Texas, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the rushing defense is so bad, teams don't need to pass on them. And when you kind of look at the latest trends of what Marshall's been doing in the passing game, they're going down... Very quickly. Again, they're, uh, they've allowed 175 yards or passing yards per game overall this year. But in the last three, they've averaged 198. And then they gave up 234 passing yards versus Georgia State last week. And I love Darren Granger, but he is not the greatest passing quarterback in the world or anything like that. So clearly it tells me that McLeod should have no problem against Marshall's defense this week. Absolutely should be able to put up some points. I'm not worried about that defense whatsoever. And then the two weeks after. Old Dominion, 105th versus the pass. Georgia State, 115th versus the pass. 
these are beautiful matchups for Elijah Saran. If he continues this stretch of five to eight targets per game and you're looking at close to 20 yards per catch like he has in the last two games, oh baby, he should be a phenomenal, phenomenal guy to grab off your waiver wires and help out your team that is struggling at wide receiver. Let's go talk about another guy here who might be benefiting greatly from a very unfortunate injury this week. Again, not all the details are out, but let's talk about Theo Weiss, the wide receiver out of Missouri, rostered on 18% of rosters. This past week, he saw seven targets, for, which gave him six receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He's been great over the last couple of weeks. He's really helped out Mizzou having a second legit option at receiver that isn't Luther Burden. And again, last couple of weeks, 13 targets versus Vanderbilt, 8 targets versus LSU, 7 targets versus Kentucky, 118 yards versus Vanderbilt, 80 yards versus LSU, 66 yards versus Kentucky, and a touchdown in every single one of those games. Now, Luther Burden had to leave this game versus Kentucky this past weekend. That could be huge for Theo Weiss moving forward. Again, it's very unfortunate for Luther Burden, who is a top 5 wide receiver in fantasy so far this year. You hate to see that. But we might have, again, this might be all of the, it's like everything coming together for we have a huge weekend this weekend. Because he might have Luther Burden out. Again, we have no confirmation on what kind of injury he's dealing with, whether he'll be out or not. But we now clearly the top guy for Brady Cook. And he gets South Carolina this weekend, who is a bottom two passing defense in the country. They... They, they let Graham freaking Mertz just absolutely throw bomb after bomb after bomb last week. They, they're just atrocious on all fronts when it comes to defending the pass. And Theo Weiss, for those of you who don't remember, was a former five-star receiver. Again, has he quite lived up to that? Not quite, but at the same time, like you still see the flashes of talent. And I think this is one of those games where Theo Weiss is probably going to be able to flash that talent going up against a very porous and unfortunate secondary right there. Great, great pickup for you this week if you're struggling at wide receiver. And it gets a little bit tougher after that. They get a bye, but then they get Georgia immediately outside of that bye. And yes, I know Georgia's defense hasn't been great this year, but it's at Georgia. Missouri's probably going to be ranked by that point if they do beat South Carolina this weekend. So that's a wrap. That's just how Georgia plays. If they, if they play a ranked opponent at home, Mizzou, you're done for. And Theo Weiss probably does not have a great game that day. And then Tennessee, uh, the week afterwards, the 17th versus the pass. I think Mizzou will probably do a bit better against them. But even still, not, not the kind of matchup that I'm really betting on. Now, this weekend against South Carolina, absolutely golden. I would love to have Weiss on. Several of my teams are struggling at wide receiver this week. So we will see what happens there. Let's go talk about another wide receiver here, Mr. Dylan Goffney, the wide receiver at Colorado State, rostered on 6% of rosters this past week. Nine targets, seven receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. Last couple of weeks, Goffney really has started to become a guy that is, I don't want to say it's obviously not um, Brady Fowler, Nicolosi's best friend. That still remains Dallin Holker and Torrey Horton. But a third legit receiving option on this team is a welcome sight for the, um, for the Rams here. And again, this past week, he clearly had his best game in the green for the Rams. And this upcoming weekend, he gets himself a really nice matchup. This is very similar to Theo Weiss, where it's kind of coming together to have a really nice matchup this weekend. Afterwards, probably wouldn't love having Goffney. Uh, We'll get to that here in a second. This upcoming weekend, he has UNLV 
and they are 126 versus the pass. So again, bottom 10 passing defense right there. Beautiful, beautiful matchup. Coming off of his best game, I bet Goffney sees probably another 10 targets this weekend and probably finds the end zone again, I would imagine. But then you got Air Force afterwards. They're ninth versus the pass. They slow things down. It's going to be a, a tough matchup right there. And then you got Wyoming, who's 30, 32nd versus the pass. Um, given what we've seen out of Wyoming so far, that is absolutely legit. They've shut down some really, really good quarterbacks this year, some really good passing games. I wouldn't start him against that. But just for this one weekend, a beautiful matchup with Dylan Goffney versus UNLV. They may try to focus in on Torrey Horton. They may try to focus in on Dallin Holker, leaving Goffney to just absolutely run wild there. I think he should be in for a pretty good game there. Again, one week only kind of rental guy. And next, we can go to our final wide receiver here, and that is Jambre Barber, the wide receiver out of Troy, rostered on 2% of rosters this past week. 10 targets, 4 receptions, 138 yards, and no touchdowns. And this dude is just another one of these Jekyll and Hyde receivers for the most part, but he does have the volume. Again, he's seen 8-plus targets in all 5 of his most recent games. The problem is that he's only seen one touchdown in that stretch and also like wolf again it's just real boomer bust with him against in uh against james madison he went for 89 yards the very next week against western kentucky 18 yards very next week against georgia state 121 yards very next week against arkansas state 22 yards and then this past week against army 138 yards like again it's very super up and down and it is very, very hard to predict which games he should go off against because against Army, I would not have guessed that he could go off for 138 yards. Against Arkansas State, I thought he would go off for 200. He went for 22. It's a little difficult to predict when he'll go and when he'll go off and when not, but that doesn't stop me from looking ahead on the schedule and saying that Texas State this upcoming weekend is a pretty good matchup. Texas State is 76 versus the pass, and quite frankly, we've seen them give up a ton of passing yards when they need to, so we'll see if Troy does that. Then you also got South Alabama, who's 26 versus the pass. Probably wouldn't start him there. I think that'll be a pretty low-scoring affair there. But then in the third matchup coming up, you got UL Monroe. They're 121st versus the pass, so bottom 15 passing defense. He should, should have himself a nice game there. I'm not going to pretend like this guy's like a safe floor option, but like if you are a process-oriented person and like you... Don't want to put in a wide receiver into your starting lineup unless you can basically guarantee that they're going to get volume each and every week. Barber's probably your guy, but he's probably also my least favorite option out of all the guys we're talking about this week for sure. That's why I have him here at the very end. A couple of honorable mentions I want to throw out here. Uh, All three of these guys come from guys we talked about last week but are still very under-rostered. Noah Smith, wide receiver to Sam Houston, had his third 10-plus target game in a row. He is legit, y'all. Sam Houston's going to keep throwing it to him. Uh, you got Silas Bolden. He's on a bye this week, but he's only 27% rostered last um, as of this week. And he had himself another good game last week. He had eight, eight targets, five receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown. He is a very consistent guy moving forward, so if you want to grab that, him. And then Christian McCray, very similar to Noah Smith. Third 10-plus target game in a row. Didn't find the end zone this past week against Eastern Michigan. But even still, if you are if you still, like me, believe in Maction, McCray is absolutely somebody you should go out and target. In terms of how I would rank these wide receivers, Noah Smith would be my number one guy. Rock Taylor would be my number one guy. Those two are in a tier of their own right there. I love 
their matchups coming up. I love what they've been doing, their volume. Everything's good about them. Christian McRae uh, and Elijah Surratt and Theo We or Christian McRae and Elijah Surratt, I think, are the next tier right there. Again, like the volume, like the setup. A little bit hesitant on knowing exactly when to start them some weeks. And then you got guys like Theo Weiss. You got Silas Bolden and Dylan Goffney, where it's very clear when you're going to start them and when you're not. And then kind of finishing up there, uh, Jabre Barber. Like I said, probably my least favorite guy to talk about this week. But given the volume that he's been getting, hopefully some things balance out, like him getting a few more touchdowns over the next couple of weeks. But we'll see. All right. Let's go and talk about our tight ends. I actually got a full list of three tight ends for you guys this week. I know, absolutely crazy. And quite frankly, some of these guys I probably should have talked about weeks ago. But, like, I wasn't sure really what to believe with them. And the first one we'll talk about here after I take my sip of water is Holden Willis. So I'll let you guys sit on that for a second. All right, perfect. All right, and so Holden Willis. Tight end, wide receiver hybrid this past week. Six tar- targets, four receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. This dude has been on an absolute tear recently. And quite frankly, if he continues this, he will be a top three or four tight end on the season here. He does not play tight end for Middle Tennessee. He is, a, as Eric Froton would say, a tight end in name only. He basically starts as a wide receiver for Middle Tennessee. And his volume has been absolutely incredible. Six targets this past week, before that, seven targets, before that, seven targets, before that, ten targets. 95-plus yards in three out of those last four games. Hasn't hit below 70 yards. Touchdown in two of the last four games, which is pretty much all you can ask for from anybody playing out of the tight end position. I, I, I mean, I'll say it. I was hesitant on him at first, but quite frankly, it's very clear that he will be involved every single week for the Blue Raiders, and that is probably the most valuable thing you can get out of a tight end moving forward so I absolutely recommend you go and grab Holden Willis another tight end that I recommend you go and grab is Trey Knox the tight end out of South Carolina he has been another guy that's consistently involved every single week against UGA eight targets targets against Mississippi State five targets against Tennessee eight targets against Florida eight targets like I said super super consistent he's hit 50 to 53 yards over the last three games Again, you pretty much know exactly what you're getting out of him. You're seeing five to eight catches, and you're seeing about 50 yards, and you're probably seeing a touchdown come along with it. That is consistency. You can hardly buy at the tight end position right now. And you got some really nice matchups coming up against Mizzou. Knox should be able to do do some productive work there. Texas A&M I'm a little bit more worried about, but then afterwards you get uh, South Carolina going to Jackson or excuse me Jacksonville State coming to South Carolina for a little cock on cock. Uh, crime there and you got again power five versus g5 opponent Knox should be able to absolutely out talent a lot of the guys on that Gamecocks defense right there so that should be a really nice matchup for him there again just very consistent in a year that's of super up and down tight ends Knox has been pretty consistent for the most part which probably means he's going for zero points this weekend because that's just how this works sometimes anyway Let's go talk about our third tight end option here, and that is Mr. Arliss Boardingham, the tight end out of Florida, rostered on 12% of rosters. This is a redshirt freshman, not a true freshman, as 247 said in one of their tweets. And quite frankly, he's he's come out to be one of Graham Mercer's best friends recently when it comes to the passing game there. Again, 
Florida it seems like their offense has really kind of found its footing for the most part in their passing game, and Boardingham has been a big part of that. Seven targets each over the last two games, 12 receptions over the last two games. He had 99 yards against Vanderbilt, 55 yards against South Carolina, three touchdowns over the last two games. He, Like I said, he's very clearly a part of of this Florida offense moving forward. Outside of Ricky Pearsall, there's just been some very inconsistent wide receiver play. Boarding him seems to be a consistent option for them moving forward. And like I said, that's really all you can ask for out of a tight end. The only thing is I really don't love this schedule moving forward. Georgia coming out of the bye week. Again, Boardingham's off this week, but next week you will see um, Boardingham go, or the very next week you'll see Boardingham go against Georgia. I'll let you guys decide whether or not that is worth doing or not. And then you got Arkansas and LSU. Both of those should be games where Boardingham, if he's your best tight end option, you should feel pretty comfortable putting him up in those games right there. The problem is that if you grab him now, you're probably you're not going to be able to start him for another three weeks. So I'll let you guys decide on how valuable that is right there. All right, that's enough of the tight ends. One last thing we got to get to. Let's go and talk about our streaming defensive options for this week. And I'll run through them pretty quickly here. Um, we got Minnesota going up against Iowa. Once again, I'm picking on Iowa's offense. Again, it worked out decently well for the Wisconsin DST last week. DST for Wisconsin got 19 points there. Did they, and it, I, I wonder how many more points that would have been if LaShawn Williams didn't break off an 80-yard run on one play, but I digress. But speaking of Wisconsin, I'm going back to that. Well, I'm going up, I'm going to put him up against Illinois. Obviously last week, uh, starting Maryland against Illinois. If, if you did that DST, probably not the great, you're probably mad at me this week, considering they only got 12 points versus Illinois last week. But I still believe that Illinois offense just isn't overall that great. And especially if Caden Fagan's now down as well, they're pretty much out of running backs. And Luke Altmar has proven to not be the answer at quarterback for the fighting Illini. This game has an over under of 45 and a half. I think that Wisconsin's a pretty good option for this week. Speaking of going back to the well, I'm going back to the well for Rutgers. They got Indiana this week. Again, another low-scoring Big Ten game on the horizon there. Rutgers defense, once again, very legit. I feel very strongly that Rutgers defense should perform well there. Next one here is a big, big caveat. I will fully, fully admit the SMU defense, they performed super well against East Carolina this past week. They get Temple this week. EJ Warner was a, a surprise scratch this past week. And Quincy Patterson came in, and it was very clear that Quincy Patterson is not EJ Warner. They do not have an offense nearly as productive without EJ Warner out there. So if Warner is out, SMU is absolutely a defense that you're probably looking at this week and being like, okay, if UTSA only let them score 14 points on them, SMU's defense is a pretty good bit better than UTSA's defense last year. I think that they can probably hold Temple to under 14 points and therefore have yourself a really nice day with defenses right there. And then the other part of this, or the last defense I'll talk about here, is Nebraska going up against Northwestern. Again, an over-under of 41.5 here. Nebraska, pretty good favorite here. This is kind of my Maryland versus Illinois pick. I'm picking on a bad offense right here, Northwestern. They've already used their one 30-point game per year against a Power 5 opponent. 
Otherwise, they haven't broken 14 points against any Power 5 competition at all this year. So I'm counting on that. Nebraska, coached by Matt Rule, their defense is typically pretty sound unless they're playing against Colorado or Michigan. Other than that, I think they're going to be able to hold Northwestern to a bit of points there. But again, definitely my least confident play out of all the streaming defenses this week. All right. That pretty much puts us right at about an hour. Really appreciate all of you guys listening. Again, we are halfway through the season. So again, a lot of us are just kind of in in we're just kind of in the groove now. You know, you're definitely looking at your teams. Probably had a surprise loss or two here. Some of you are probably in there thinking like, "All right, I'm right on the outside of the right on the outside of my playoffs. I need to get some a winning streak here in the next couple of weeks." Really hope some of the guys I talked about here will be able to help you this week. As for now, I need to make a quick announcement here. First and foremost, um, if you want to have your sit and start questions answered for this week, make sure you go and check out the at Chasing the Natty Twitter account where you will already see a tweet up and running for us to collect your sit and start questions to answer on the pod this week. And speaking of that pod, I will actually not be participating this week. I have some family uh, business to take care of this week so i will be out tuesday night when we normally record so uh justin will still be there but he will also be joined by justice uh one of our cff experts at campuscant.com idp guru and host of the g5 hive po- podcast which you should absolutely go check out if you have not already um those two will be teaming up to take on the sit start questions for the next two weeks so absolutely tune in for that other than otherwise again if you can't tell i'm a little tired and it has been a long day been a long weekend i look forward to getting some rest over the next couple of days get ready for week eight when my dogs are off and i can sit back and relax and not have to worry about them for a weekend it'll be great but still got my fantasy teams to worry about still got all of you guys to worry about but until then really appreciate you guys and i will see you guys here next week after this weekend Appreciate you guys listening and hope you have a wonderful and blessed weekend. See you.